Hey Life Canton, Roger here, one of the directors. So glad that you're joining us, whether it's your first time or you've been with us for a while. Thank you for listening. I also want to remind you that this is not just a podcast, but also a community. And we believe that you belong to God, so you belong to us. So go ahead and fill out a Connect card via our Church Center app or hop on over to our website so that we can get you plugged in. You can give us your name, uh, where you're interested in serving, or maybe even just questions that you may have about uh, our church and who we are and what God is up to. I also want to remind you that God is up to something in this community and in this church, and we want to support what he is doing. So this is an opportunity for you to give financially to support the mission of God at this church. And you can, again, do that at our Church Center app or head on over to our website. Uh, But be sure to take advantage of that opportunity. Today we are in week three of our summer series on Mark, where we're going through Mark chapter by chapter. So this week you're going to hear from Pastor John Grandy, and he's going to talk about Sabbath and and teach us why it's so important and why it matters. So give that a listen, and I'll catch up with you in just a moment. You may be seated. Welcome, Life Canton friends and family. Welcome to all of you families who are here joining us for child dedication. We're so grateful to have you here at Life Canton today and hope you feel right at home, part of the family that's a heart for you. We're excited to celebrate your little ones in a little bit here. Uh, We're going to talk about something first that Jesus is very passionate about. And in this series in Mark, we're traveling through the book of Mark chapter by chapter each week just really digging into Scripture throughout the summer. And I love how we do this because you don't have to guess what's coming next. So today we're in Mark chapter 3. What are we going to study next week? Mark chapter 4. Good job. Give yourselves a hand, right? Um, We're going to walk through this chapter by chapter, and I want to encourage you to, to jump ahead and read before you come so that you can allow the Word of God to marinate in your heart, allow God to prepare you for what He's going to teach you, because we're not going to be able to cover every piece of the chapter. We're, we're going to give you a, a strong truth that we feel like God is putting on our hearts for our church, for each one of you. And so we're going to walk through that. Today we're in chapter 3. And I have a question as we get started here. Have you ever been with a group of people and somebody tells this joke and everyone in the crowd is laughing except for you? You miss the punchline, right? Like you, you give this awkward fake laugh, <laughs> but you really didn't get it. You're like, I don't get it. Um, it's awkward, right? You, you don't know what to do, but you're just kind of playing along. You missed the point. And that's exactly what we find today in the scripture that we're going to talk about. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, totally missed the point of what Jesus was trying to teach about the Sabbath. They missed the point, and Jesus had to show them the heart of what this was all about. So let's jump in. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Jesus went into the synagogue again. He went there every week. He showed up with God's people like you are today. This was his practice. And noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. So these religious leaders were always looking for a way to trap Jesus in some kind of way of breaking God's law and God's uh, intentions for them. And here they try to get him to get caught in the act of working on Sabbath. He was a rabbi, he was a teacher. And a a man of God. So if he healed someone, that was considered work for him. And they wanted to catch him in that. um, Because Sabbath was something that God commanded them to practice. In fact, it was one of the Ten Commandments. 
And so in order to really understand this story and what Jesus is all about and what he's trying to teach us, we have to turn the pages back to the Ten Commandments, to the Old Testament, and really understand the context of what's going on here. Now, maybe you're new to church and you don't know much about the Ten Commandments. In fact, how many of you could recite them by heart in the room? Raise your hand. Got a couple people, okay. Uh, Bible school is showing up for you as you uh, vacation Bible school or Sunday school, learn those things. But many of us couldn't do that. In fact, I'm a pastor and my kids don't know the Ten Commandments, so we got some work to do, Liz. Um, And... uh, You know, maybe I could uh, test you a little bit on your Ten Commandment knowledge. I have a couple true or false questions for you so that we can get started learning more about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were written by the finger of God. True or false? Raise your hand if you think it's true. Raise your hand if you think it's false. And some of you just didn't vote. Come on, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta participate, all right? It's true. Exodus 31.18 says that God wrote the Ten Commandments with his own finger on tablets of stone and handed them to Moses to give to the people. Now, that's hard to refute if God himself writes them and inscribes them in stone. I mean, try to do that. You're going to hurt your finger. But he gave them to the people to say, these are my uh, instructions for you. True or false, Abraham followed the Ten Commandments. Raise your hand if you think that's true. Father Abraham had many sons. Raise your hand if you think it's false. All right. It's false because Abraham wasn't alive yet. Uh, He was born 430 years before Moses, who received the Ten Commandments from God. So he would have if he was alive, but he wasn't yet. All right. True or false? One of the Ten Commandments is for workaholics. Raise your hand if you think that's true. It's for workaholics. Uh, Raise your hand if you think it's false. And some of you still are not participating. That's all right. We love you. Um, so this is a trick question because the fourth commandment, which is the Sabbath, is for workaholics, but it's also for every one of us in this room to practice rest, to practice taking a break to catch our breath, the breath of our soul. When we feel exhausted and we feel worn out, not a breath inside, Sabbath is meant to help us catch our breath. But these Pharisees were trying to accuse Jesus of working on the Sabbath. Why is this such a big deal? I mean, he's healing a man whose hand is deformed. Why are they upset about this? Why is this a big deal to them? When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, these were his instructions to them. Because we need some context to understand why the Pharisees are so upset. The people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. It is a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he stopped working and was refreshed. So we see this instructions, this model, this pattern that God gave to the people for us to follow, for the people of Israel to follow back then. And what's significant, I want to focus on a couple key Uh, words here. You can go back to verse 16. The people of Israel. Okay, so this was given to the people of Israel who were actually slaves for 400 years in Egypt. 400 years. That's all they knew. They were born into slavery. Their parents were slaves. All they did was work. That's all they knew. 
Can you imagine Pharaoh saying, oh, you worked six days hard, I'm going to give you a day off. You don't have to work today. Absolutely not, right? He worked them to the bone. He worked them to death because they were just people that he used to build his empire. They did not know what it meant to rest. And so God, giving these newly freed slaves an identity who are coming out of Egypt, coming into freedom, he says, I need to teach you how to be instead of do. Because all they knew was to work. All they knew was what they had to do. They didn't know how to be, how to rest, how to live in relationship. And then God says, this is a permanent sign of my covenant in verse 17. A permanent sign of my covenant. What does covenant mean? This is a mutual trust and love and respect between two people. So God is saying, I want to make a covenant with you of mutual respect and trust. Now imagine how countercultural this was. Do you think Pharaoh was offering them mutual respect and trust? Do you think he was offering them a covenant? No, he just was after their work, after their slave labor for him. And so to, to hear that the God of the universe wants to have a covenant relationship with you is incredible. It's almost too good to be true. But this is exactly what he's offering them. And he says the Sabbath is what's going to remind you of this covenant. That this is my heart for you. I want to be in relationship with you and spend time with you, connect with you. And then it says, stop working and was refreshed. This is God modeling this for us in the creation of the world. He stopped working and was refreshed. Do you see the cause and effect? He stopped working and therefore was refreshed. If he didn't stop working, he couldn't be refreshed. This is a model for us. In order to be refreshed, We have to stop working. We have to trade doing for being. Maybe you picked up on this, but America is a lot like Egypt, isn't it? I mean, we live in a world that does not prioritize rest. It does not make this mandatory or a command of God. It seems optional because we're too, what? Busy. We got too much to do. We got to run the kids around and be Uber. I've heard so many parents say that. I feel like Uber, driving my kids around everywhere and playing a thousand sports and being busy all the time. And we're so frantic and hurried and and not even restful inside because our bodies are moving and our souls can't catch up. Rest is not a priority in our world, just like it was not a priority in Egypt. See, this breaks my heart because it creates this culture of busyness. Busyness is a part of our American cultural identity. We're always talking about what we do. If you ask each other, how are you doing? Well, I'm busy. And when we introduce ourselves to each other, we talk about what we do for our career. We were doing run-through this week, and and, uh, one of our interns, John Smith, said, what if we introduced ourselves by saying, hi, I'm John, I'm a Christian. What if that was the identity that we started with instead of, I'm a pastor, I'm an engineer, I'm a teacher, I'm a stay-at-home mom, whatever that is for you. What if we introduce ourselves by our true identity and not what we do? Because so often we put doing before being. We define ourselves by what we do, and we more so are like human doings than human beings, aren't we? It breaks my heart. Because we're missing out on who God designed us to be and the gift that he has for us in Sabbath to remind us that we are, in fact, human beings 
who need rest, who need a break, who need to catch our breath and reconnect. But if we don't create space for it, it's not going to happen. This one might sting a little. We keep our bodies so busy so we don't have to face the storm within our souls. We keep our bodies busy, constantly moving and frantic because we don't want to face the storm within our souls. Maybe there's memories that you have that you don't want to think about because they're too painful to go back there. Maybe there's unresolved trauma from your childhood that no one knows about. Maybe there's anxiety and depression that just simmers below the surface and makes you feel hopeless, makes you feel despair, like there's a cloud hanging over you all the time. See, I think we'd rather just ignore the check engine light and refuse to look under the hood of our souls. There's this storm that's not rested within us. We're just like Egypt. We're just like these people of Israel who are looking for an identity, who are looking for rest and being in a world that is consumed by doing. Do you see why we need the Sabbath? Do you see why the Pharisees were so passionate about this? I mean, sometimes we, we just automatically side with Jesus because he's Jesus. But these are teachers of the law who knew these things about the Sabbath. They were passionate about the people being a part of this, catching their, their breath of their souls. So, of course, they were angry when Jesus is about to literally violate the Sabbath by healing this man. He's about to work and they're mad because they're, he's breaking the rules. He's, he's violating this command. This One of the Ten Commandments. Jesus, the Savior of the world, is about to break one of the Ten Commandments. This is scandalous. But Jesus never does anything without a reason. Why is he about to break the rules? Why is he willing to make these Pharisees angry at him to the point where they want to kill him? We'll see that in a minute here. What is Jesus up to? Let's continue in our chapter, Mark 3. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is it a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once, the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. See, they're so angry at him, they're ready to kill him. What's going on here? Why is Jesus willing to stir this up so much and rock the boat? Let's go back to verse 3. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. See, Jesus could have healed him in a private corner somewhere without any fanfare, but no, he says, come on the stage. I want you to stand in front of everyone. He's making a point here. He's being very deliberate. Let's continue. In verse four, he turned to his critics. In the gospel of Luke, it says he looked at each of them in the eye. He's challenging them. He is confronting them with their, what they're doing in this moment, with their observance of the Sabbath. And then he asked them, is this a day to save life or destroy it? Is this about the rules, rules that are so restrictive that, it, that they destroy life, that they forget 
what the Sabbath was really about in the first place? Or is this about saving life? You see, Jesus was so willing to break the rules because they forgot why God gave them the Sabbath in the first place. They missed the point. And their hearts were hard. You see, we've spent so much time talking about the Pharisees and Jesus that we've lost the focus of what Jesus is doing in this moment. The focus is not on Jesus or the Pharisees. The focus is on the man with the withered hand. Do you think he can practice Sabbath very well? Do you think he's free? He's got all this suffering that he's going through with his ailment, and Jesus says, I'm going to free him. I'm going to restore him. Because that's what Sabbath is all about. Not about the rules, not about the do's and don'ts, not about the day and the practices. It's about restoration of God's people. That is the point of the Sabbath. The point of the Sabbath is to restore. That is the heart of it. See, religious people focused on the rules and missed the point. But Jesus broke the rules in order to restore this man's hand. Now, I don't have a deformed hand, and many of you don't, but what is deformed in your life? What is in need of restoration in you? What part of your heart is broken? What part of your life feels stuck and you feel helpless? How does restoration come into your life? Let's look a little more closely at verse 4. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. We focus here on save life. Jesus is pointing out that this is the point of the Sabbath to restore life, to save life, just like he did with this man's hand and he wants to do with every part of our lives. See, it's helpful to look at the original language to see what Jesus is trying to teach here. There's three words for life in the Greek language, which is what this was originally written in. One was zoe. And this is, I would argue, Jesus' favorite version of life because it means eternal, uncreated life that can only come from God. Many of you know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that those who believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Zoe, that's the word that Jesus loves to use. But he does not use zoe here. The other word is bios, which is where we get our word biology. The, the human body, and living in health, not in sickness. And so our bi- biology is healthy. Jesus does not use this word. The third word is suke. And this is the breath of life. This is character. This is identity. This is the heart of of who we are as human beings. It's separate from the body. It's the eternal part of us that will live forever, our identity. This is the word that Jesus uses here. Why? Because he's teaching us what happens when we practice Sabbath. This is not about the rules. This is not about even the Ten Commandments, as important as they are, as valid as they still are. But we have to understand the heart of it so we don't miss the point like the Pharisees. Practicing Sabbath restores identity. Practicing Sabbath restores identity. Around here, we like to say that we're reclaiming our identity in Jesus. And so whenever we practice Sabbath, that's what we're doing. Reclaiming our identity in Jesus. 
It reminds us that we were made in the image of God. And so when we rest, we remember our identity is rooted in him. And he's called us to become more like him in our rest. What's cool about this is this isn't just a command that God gave or that Jesus gave to us. This is something that he modeled. Jesus modeled with his disciples. And even though Jesus was born to give up his life, he only spent three years in his ministry proclaiming the kingdom of God, he still took time to rest. The most important mission that ever hit the planet, and Jesus makes time for rest. Why? It restores our identity. It's a gift to us. And he took time to model this for us and also took his disciples with him so that we could learn and act and live as they did as well. And so after Jesus sent out his disciples to share the good news, the gospel, he called them back and heard about their stories. They were exhausted, but they were excited about what happened on their ministry tour. And let's read what happens next. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 31. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't have time to eat. You can leave that up here. There is so much packed into this line right here. I want to unpack this for us because Jesus models for us how to practice Sabbath with his disciples. And we can learn from what they did. Before we go into that, I want to teach you something that has been transformative for me. There's a difference between Sabbath days and Sabbath moments. Okay, we don't know if this was a Sabbath when Jesus practiced rest with his disciples, but he's teaching them a rhythm of rest throughout their life, throughout their day, throughout their identity to prioritize this so that they could restore who they were, made in the image of God. And I was talking to someone between services and she said, you know, I always thought that Sabbath just meant Sunday. Uh, Nope, it doesn't matter what day you practice Sabbath. The point is to practice it to set aside some time to rest, but not just a day, moments. Anytime you intentionally restore identity, it's a Sabbath moment. In these moments that we get to spend together in this place, it's a Sabbath moment. These are ways that we practice Sabbath. Sabbath days and Sabbath moments. Don't make it about the rules. Make it about the restoration, okay? So I want to break down this one sentence for us because there's so much here. Jesus says, let's go off by ourselves. Let's go off. So many people that they had to minister to that there was not time to eat. And Jesus didn't say, let's let's go for five minutes. He said, no, let's go off. Let's separate ourselves. Let's get some food so we have some energy. And he prioritized this idea of going away from the crowds. In fact, Luke 5.16 tells us that Jesus often withdrew by himself to pray, to be with the Father, to be away from the crowds. We as a staff here at Life Canton want to model this, want to follow after Jesus. So we intentionally set aside Fridays as our Sabbath days. Again, it doesn't matter what day it is, but we've chosen Friday as that day. And we try really hard not to text each other or email or anything because we just want to be unplugged with God, with our families with ourselves, trying to catch our own breath, the breath of our soul. And this is something that has been really powerful and really transformative for our staff, something that we want to 
we want a model for all of us to follow. And again, any moment that we intentionally practice restoring our identity is a Sabbath moment. So even before I came up on stage, there's always a little nerves that I have and, uh, you know, afraid I'm going to stick my foot in my mouth or something up here. And so I have to take a deep breath, take a deep breath and hold it in and release the anxiety and the tension. Just breathe in God's presence, his life, his peace, and to breathe out the anxiety. This is a Sabbath moment, practicing recentering ourselves in Christ, rooting ourselves in him in his presence. For you, maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's going on a hike in the woods. Maybe it's stopping, if you're a parent, stopping and thanking God for your children. Looking at their little quirks. Looking at what makes them, them. My youngest, Stella, is four and she can't pronounce her S's very well. So if she wants sprinkles on her ice cream, she says, Daddy, can I have finkles on my ice cream? And it's so adorable that I don't ever want her to say it correctly. Uh, because it's just so cute. And I revel in her personality. I revel in her uniqueness. But so often we spend time in self-contempt about the things that make us unique, about our quirks. We think uniqueness is weakness. We beat ourselves up about it or we critique other people about how they're unique. Maybe we should start celebrating those things instead. And then it would become a Sabbath moment. Maybe for you, it's reading Scripture in the morning before work or doing something that gives you life and joy. All of these are examples of Sabbath moments. It's not about the rules. It's about the restoration of your identity. So I want to give us a couple Sabbath steps so that we can live into this, so that we can practice being Sabbath, recharging, redeeming our identity in Christ. The first one is to schedule Sabbath days and Sabbath moments. Sabbath step. Make this a priority. Put it on your calendar. So for me, I block off Fridays. And if someone asks me if I can meet, I say, nope, sorry, I have an appointment. I have an appointment with Jesus. I have an appointment with Sabbath. And I'm going to make that a priority. So I encourage you, what day can you set aside? What chunk of time? Maybe you start with a couple hours and you just say, I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to disconnect. And I'm just going to be with God, with myself, and with others. The Sabbath practice. And then Sabbath moments. How can you bring that into your every day? How can you invite God's presence to restore your identity each and every day in Sabbath moments? So Jesus says, let's go off. And then he says, by ourselves to a quiet place. He says to his disciples. He recognized the importance of recovery, of quiet, of rest, and eating. They had to eat. And Jesus wanted them to eat. He enjoyed that time with them. And he did. Prioritizing relationships into our schedule. Prioritizing what matters most so that we can get quiet and recharge. One of my favorite things to do is to go out on my big, bright yellow kayak uh, in, in the lakes and rivers in the area and just get alone with Jesus. Last fall, I had the opportunity to go on the lower Platte River that spills into Lake Michigan in Glen Arbor, Michigan. It was a fantastic time to just be alone with God and to recover my soul. What is that thing for you? It doesn't have to be a kayak. It doesn't have to be anything that's good for someone else. But what is connecting for you so that you can recover your life? How can you practice quiet solitude and silence? We live in a very busy, noisy world, don't we? 
So we need to escape in order to recover our rest, in order to get away from all the noise in our lives. We're in the stage where we have young kids and our two girls like to play Barbies. And it eventually erodes into fake crying where they're pretending that the Barbies are crying. And I'm like, I got enough of your real crying. I don't need the fake crying too, okay? And so we just need quiet. We need space away from the noise to recover our soul or else we'll begin to fall apart. So my Sabbath step for you in this one is to practice silence and solitude. How can you get away from the noise? How can you get quiet? And then can you imagine time just by yourself without anyone around? Some of you may be threatened by that or scared of that. Like, I don't know what's going to happen if I allow that to happen. Again, you've got to look under the hood of your soul. Allow the check engine light to show you what's going on inside, and we can only do this if we practice silence and solitude. So Jesus says to his disciples, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place, and then he says, let's rest a while. Not for five minutes, not for ten minutes, but for a while, as long as it takes to restore our identity. This is the point. To rest, to restore, to refill. We desperately need this rest, don't we? We live in, again, this culture of busyness that we feel like we can't escape from. We sign our kids up for sports and run every day of the week, every season of the year. Frantic, hurried, busy, nonstop. Again, I've heard so many parents talk about feeling like the Uber driver or the Lyft driver for their own kids, just constantly moving. This is troubling, friends. When I was a youth pastor for over 10 years, I had two different students who came up to youth group in a cast. One of them had a cast on her foot. So what's wrong? What happened? Well, the doctor said I have a stress fracture. He'd been moving so much, failing to rest, that she actually broke her foot from stress, from constant movement, the lack of rest. What are we doing? Why are we letting our culture define our identity by constantly moving, by constantly doing, and never being, never prioritizing this rest? Most of our work week is focused on doing, but Sabbath is the complete opposite. It's about being. How can we trade the doing for the being so that we can recover our souls? Here's my third Sabbath step for you. Being plus doing equals becoming. If all we ever do is do, then we can't become because the, the formula isn't complete, right? We need to be and do in order to become who we want to be, in order to be restored into the image of God, a God who creates and then rests. Can you create and then rest? Or do you just constantly work and create? If so, you're going to fail to become who God wants you to be. We need to be and do so that we can reach our potential and become who he wants us to be. But what if you're hearing me and you think this is, this is good news? I like this, but it's kind of optional. I'm not really convinced. And in fact, I'm not sure that I'm even worthy of this. Like I'm not worthy of investing this time in myself. Well, that was me. I believe the lie that it's selfish to take care of myself. It actually became kind of a theology that I lived with. 
And when I didn't, I just became bitter and resentful and took it out on other people. How was that working for me? Not very good, right? I had actually made an agreement with a lie that it's selfish to spend time investing in myself, to spend time caring for myself. And that prevented me from Sabbath. That prevented me from restoring my identity because I was just constantly moving. And so when the Holy Spirit convicted me of this, he said, I've given this to you as a gift, as a command. This is a matter of obedience for you to practice this, to restore your life. And this is not a punishment. This is a gift. And so what I did was I started believing that truth and saying, I'm going to practice one act of self-care every day. Make this a priority. And it changed my life. It began to help me to prioritize this time to restore my connection with God, with myself and with others. And it helped me let go of that bitterness and resentment. It helped me to start being instead of just doing all the time. What's at stake if we skip this? What's at stake if we say that, oh, this is all just optional? This is just church lingo? What's going to happen? Well, this scripture is very sobering. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. This is a gift that's wrapped and ready for you to open it, to enjoy, to embrace rest and restoration. It's a special rest that is given to you by God, but it's waiting for you to open it. It's waiting for you to enter it. Let's continue. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. And here's the warning. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. What does that word fall mean? Does it mean like trip and stub your toe? Nope. It means to be under the attack of evil. It's literally what this word means in Greek, to be under the attack of evil. We are susceptible to the enemy's attacks if we do not rest. Either rest or you fall. Either rest or you're a target of the enemy. It also means to be overcome by terror, to decay, fall apart, or fall into ruin. This is serious. Either we practice rest, either we practice restoration, or we will fall apart. And many of you may feel like that right now. Maybe you walked into this room riding on fumes, feeling empty, feeling exhausted, feeling busy, not knowing what's really going on in your soul. Our souls begin to fall apart if we do not practice this, if we do not embrace this gift. You see, for the people of God, this was not an option. It was an absolute necessity to reclaim their identity in Jesus, to remember who he made them to be, to teach them how to be a people who could live in freedom instead of slavery to the world. Are we living in slavery to the world and to the world's way of life, constantly doing and never being? Or are we free to follow the way Jesus called us to live, to live a Sabbath way of life, a rhythm of rest and restoration? What if you could intentionally make room for God in your life? What if you could make room for restoring your identity? Not just every day, but every moment, every week, every part of your life, every part of your identity, you could welcome in God's presence, welcome in rest. 
that's available to you today. Can you imagine how much confidence you have? Can you imagine how much joy you would have if you could live on a full tank of joy and life? I don't want to just give this to you this week to practice. I want us to step into this right now, to practice a Sabbath moment together. So there'll be a scripture on the screen that will walk you through something that Jesus taught us as a way to find rest for our souls. I want you to reflect on that and ask God, what do I need to do to make room to restore my identity this week? Ask him, let him speak to you. Embrace this Sabbath moment and make room for him. Welcome back. Um, What a powerful reminder of the importance of rest to us, not just for our health, but as an aspect of who we are as image bearers of God. So I hope that you find rest this week and, and not just passively find it, but I hope that you are encouraged to seek it out, to make it a priority to go after it. So uh, I, I hope that happens for you this week. If there's anything that you need support through, whether that's something you're experiencing or, or something that you felt in response to this message, I want to remind you uh, to reach out and, and ask for prayer. Um, that's one of the ways that we can support each other is through prayer uh, and relational connection. So the uh, best way to do that is through the Connect card. But I hope that your week is blessed and restful, and we'll catch up with you again next week. See you real soon.